is Penny Gamble Williams. And I love creating art. I, I love listening to music. Uh, I love just life. Mm. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves. That's me. And I'm here with my furry cosmic guardian, Cyrus and Bisu, joyfully coming to you from the moon garden where wisdom is nourished, awakening is embraced, and fun is encouraged. We took a little time off, and now we're back with our amazing guests. And I'm so honored because today we have our first grandmother episode. <laughs> yes, yes, grandmother energy. But before we go there, I want to hear from you. Come to our IG, come to our Facebook, and let me know what are your reflections about what you hear on this podcast. Are you enjoying the episodes? What's coming alive in you uh, when you hear these guests share so deeply? I know that when I sit and, you know, just in the recording itself, I listen to all these episodes a couple times. You know, I sit in the actual recording and then I listen to the, as I'm editing, I'm listening to it again. And I learn something new every time and I know I'm growing. So, are you feeling that? Are we in this together? <laughs> let me know. Let me know. Today, my guest is Penny Gamble Williams. Sitting with her felt like chatting with royalty, carrying powerful, ancient wisdom humbly and gently shared. And while I was editing this episode, I was just thinking, wow, I'm like proud. I'm like proud to know her, to be a woman with her, to be in this world, walking in this world with her. Penny Gambo Williams is an enrolled tribal member of the Chappaquiddick tribe of the Wampanoag Nation of Massachusetts, who honors her African blood. She is an activist involved with environmental and indigenous land rights. Penny is the spiritual leader and president of the tribe's nonprofit corporation. And from 1995 to 2002, Penny was the Sonsqua, or chief of her tribe. Penny Gambo Williams is a visual artist, art instructor, poet, writer, storyteller, and recording artist musician. Her radio show, The Talking Feather, aired on WOL 1450 AM in DC, XM Satellite Radio, Blog Talk Internet Radio from 2000 to 2013. In 2005, Penny and her husband, Thunder Williams, co-authored a concept paper on the historical connections and relationships of African and Native Americans. They presented it to the National Museum of the American Indian, a traveling exhibit called Indivisible African Native American Lives in the Americas was created. Penny and her husband represented the community on the curatorial team. All right, beloveds, let's take a deep breath and welcome Penny Gamble Williams. And uh, once I get going with my creativity, I'm all in the paint, um, I'm collecting shells, I'm placing sticks and all kinds of things on the canvas, you know, to give it that organic look. And this makes me feel really, really happy. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. Uh, creativity, isn't that the best thing to bring us love in our lives? <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yeah. If you could be an animal or non-human, what would it be and why? Ah, oh, I would be a whale. Oh, a whale. A whale. You know, whales are amazing animals. Mm -hmm. Animals, And 
Um, you know, originally they were land animals like 50,000 plus years ago. I didn't know that. So they, they had four legs and, you know, as change as changes happened, mm-hmm. uh, the oceans and the water and, you know, how the earth was, they became sea animals. Okay. And they could dive to the depths of the ocean. And then they come up and then they refresh, they breathe, they commune, you know, with, with the universe and then they go back. Um, they're, they're just amazing. And uh, fortunately I got to see some whales in California. Uh, oh. and, um, that just lifted me because I feel, I definitely feel connected to them. Yeah. And it's part of the Wampanoag story. So. Is it really? Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Will you share that with us? Do you feel comfortable to share that with us? Okay. Well, there are lots of whale stories, but. Oh, okay. I'll just say this one. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, um, I guess you can say one of our creative creation stories about how the land came to be and how yeah. and the islands in Massachusetts came to be. Yeah. And this um, wonderful person uh, named Masha mm-hmm. uh, lived on the mainland and he would take his pipe out and he would scoop up the tobacco and he would smoke his pipe and he would look out in the ocean and he wanted to fish. Well, he was a giant. So in order for him to fish, he had to catch whales. (gasps) What? And, you know, um, there would be lots of prayer and all kinds of things that would happen. And he would figure out ways where he could get to the whales. So he tapped his pipe and he got stones and he would walk out into the deeper part of the ocean and he would just scoop up a whale and he would be able to feed the people. But hmm. there was prayer because this whale sacrificed his life so that people could hmm. eat. And eventually, um, that wonderful mashup made the different islands. So he made the Elizabeth Islands, he made Chappaquiddick, uh, Martha's Vineyard, and then Chappaquiddick, which means, or Chippeaquiddick, which means cut off land. Okay. Still connected by a sandbar mm-hmm. uh, to um, Mapa's Vineyard Island. And then he made Nantucket and Muskegon and all of the other little islands um, along the coast of Massachusetts. So, wow. But the whale is very much a part of, of who we are. I didn't know that. This is um, in my limited... Um, you know, new knowledge here in this area. I hear a lot about the Lakota and here it's um, the animal that you hear about a lot is the Buffalo. And so um, it's, it sounds like I I very much am experiencing Lakota as Buffalo people. And so I haven't heard anything about, I don't really know anything about, except for the very limited things they teach us in school about any tribes of of the Northeast. And so, it sounds like what you're saying is these groups of people were whale people. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, we, we were, 
whale people, we are whale people. Yeah. Um, and have a lot of love and that connection uh, to the to the whale uh, because we're so close to the ocean. I mean, we're woodland and coastal, coastal people. Yeah. That's so cool. Thank you. And also thank you for saying R. <laughs> I heard myself say were. <laughs> are <laughs> that's important yeah that's very important I'll, I'll decolonize that in my head right now <laughs> thank you thank you yeah is there something about yourself that you discovered in this past year that you could share with us mm. <laughs> <laughs> where do i begin on that so um, many things <laughs> oh, no, no, so many things i mean you know things were moving along um for a lot of years you know activity mm -hmm. traveling uh being with family friends uh, participating in rallies you know as an activist just being involved yeah um having art shows on and on and on and on and then 2020 happened <laughs> to so, all of us <laughs> all of us and it was really shocking to the spirit you know to your soul mm -hmm. And then there was so much going on, you know, what is this COVID-19, you know, the whole world is shutting down, mm -hmm. isolated, you know, what the blank is going on? And, you know, you're watching the news and, and all of that. So 2020 um, was quite an adjustment. I mean, for everybody, but to speak right. personally, um, you know, the things that, that I was going through, my husband going through, mm -hmm. as we tried to figure out, okay, what's the plan? You know, how do we get through this? Yes. And um, being family people, I mean, we have five children and, and lots of wow. children. Wow. And great-grandchildren. So, um <laughs> Wow, you're a great grandma. What a blessing. Yeah, yeah. We have four and one more is coming. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Bless your family. So, um, I, I mean, personally, I went through anger. I went through um, mm -hmm. deep sadness, depression. Yeah. Finding ways to uplift and you know, learning a lot about myself, you know, because when you have to kind of be still for, for a while, it's, it's a lot of things that, you know, or, you know, you know, instinctively or inside the things that you practice, the things that I practiced, all of a sudden it seemed like they went out the window and I had to, you know, grab things from the air and, and redirect myself and say, ceremony, prayer. Yeah. Be still, breathe. These are some of the things that I found that I wasn't doing. And I know better. Yeah. So I became a little upset with myself that I allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I became kinder to myself and realized mm -hmm. that this is life. <laughs> you know, this is life. So, um, it's been a lot of lessons, you know, for the past um, two years. Right. We're going to the third, the third year. Yeah. And uh, there's so much to learn. You know, we don't know it all. 
but I tell you, I do my research and I try to figure a lot of things out, you know, so you won't get blindsided. Yeah. You know, with, with, with stuff, but there was so much going on information, questionable information. I mean, yes. this, these are not normal times. And then you said, well, what is normal? <laughs> that, that is that question right there. I don't know anymore, Penny. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Carving out um, a new, new ways of looking at life. Uh, and, and that's basically where I've been, you know, because every day is different. And um, we, just, we just have to be open. I always love to say, be open to the universe. Yeah. Because the answers are out there. Yes. And we just have to listen. We just have to really listen. Yeah. I I really appreciate these sentiments and, you know, this wisdom because, you know, one thing you just said just a couple minutes ago, you said, well, this is life. And I noticed myself too, and maybe in uh, closer to 2021. 2020 didn't get me so much because I my life actually didn't change as much because I was kind of shut in for a while anyway. I was working on a lot of things personally and I was enjoying sort of being a little separate from people, but it was right around 2021 because I was kind of out of that phase, but I had to, I couldn't really go out and be in, in um, being socialized, socialized as I, as I had in the past. And <clears throat> there was this part of me that felt like, this like wanted to be in denial about reality of life and was like, no, 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 no. (laughs) All the things that are going to change and all the new challenges, those won't touch me. I hope. And those (laughs) there, they won't last. And I had no desire for things to go back to what we used to call normal, because even though a lot of that was comforting, I know it's time for, I know it's time for major change. And I, I bless that, but there, there was a lot of parts of me. And still now I find, I dig some of those up that was like, this isn't real life. Just like very deep denial of, of what is going on. And, and I was surprised to find that within myself. Cause it's actually kind of out of character for me to be in denial about like, you know, everything happening in this human life. So the way you said that it actually gave me and and what you were explaining after actually gave me some relief. And I like the way you're talking about it because it feels like this open door that just like all this bizarre stuff can happen, also all this opportunity and we have access to all these answers if we remember to like sit still and be in the realness of the of the moment. So thank you so much for uh, reminding me in this moment. You know, I um, during that time period, especially of 2020 um just communicating with people was 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 very different because mm-hmm. there were, a lot of people had a lot of emotions and you know we were all kind of emoting about different things mm-hmm. the toughest thing was not being around friend, family grandchildren children so and and not everybody lives in in the area where we live so we had to use Zoom and FaceTime, and that was so weird. Yeah. It was really different. Yeah. 
And I attended a couple of family gatherings on Zoom. That was so bizarre, like graduation ceremony and stuff. But I was like, yeah. is this real? <laughs> I know. And, um, and then all the uh, unfortunate thing of uh, 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 a tribal member, she passed on and the funeral was on Zoom. Blessings, blessings. blessings. Wow. So, it, it, you know, just it was a total wake up call about a lot of things. And what was humming in my mind was we are spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes, yes. Over and over again. Mm -hmm. in my mind because you know it's like okay we're here we came from other places before we came through the womb of our mothers but this is what we have right now so what are we going to do with all this (laughs) (laughs) and you call on the spirit beings of the ancestors of the past you know the relatives and 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 call out for help you know i mean Give me a sign. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's basically how I, I move through the day. I ask for Mm -hmm. a lot of signs. Yeah. um, Need that, you know, that, that comfort of knowing when you call in the ancestors, they do come and you better have something for them. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Blessings. Thank you for that reminder. (laughs) That's, I mean, that's the way. This, this is why I think it's so important for us to familiarize, familiarize ourselves with the ways of human beings, which are indigenous ways. Because if I've learned anything on my own spiritual journey is that I'm not alone. There's like a whole congregation of spirits and ancestors with me. And I can access that more specifically in some ways and, and less specifically in some ways, just meaning like I could go to divination and find out exactly which ancestors or exactly which spirits or, you know, however I would do that in whichever culture I was interacting with, but also just simply interacting with water, ancestors, water, spirits of the water or the land, you know, and, and that's, that's accessible to everybody. And that's, that's the way of human beings. And, um, I'm really glad that you're, you're bringing this up. Someone who's, you know, your great grandmother, you're well-practiced and, and I love that you're saying you're also acknowledging that you're human. You forget sometimes <laughs> and, and you, for, you forget yourself in, in some ways and, and you come, you come back to remembering this and, and spreading that wisdom. Does that sound accurate? What I just said? Oh yeah. Okay. I, I mean, because, look, it, it's, it's a, it's a daily I mean, you know, you're going in your car or you grocery shopping or whatever yeah. you're doing. And then, you know, that reality comes back of who you are. Yeah. Sometimes we get caught up on not even thinking about that because we have to go from point A to point B. We have to yeah. take this. We have to take care of that. You got to pay bills. You got to, you know, mm-hmm. and sometimes you forget to breathe. So it's all of these things that are going on as we're moving from, you know, dawn to dusk. Yeah. And, and then there comes these moments where you have to say, okay, I, I gotta, I gotta slow down. I gotta sit down. I gotta take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's all those things. And then you come back refreshed and you, you know, you get, it's like a balance. Yeah. Balance thing. 
you know, because it gets back to this in my mind. This mm-hmm. is what uh, comes up for me. And that's to understand not only our spirit, but this vessel that we have, which is our bodies, and how to understand um, like the outside interferences that seep in to, you know, get us kind of off the path, off balance. And so it takes, a, I think, a moment to think about these things, to come to that realization and, and, and then to put ego aside, because sometimes, you know, our egos get in the way with certain things and, and we're really forgetting what our true purpose is here on, on this earth. I mean, because. Yeah. It's know, not to sleep, to work, to work, to sleep. It's, it's not that or to like go to our job, to sleep, to, to go to our job, to sleep. Like that's not our purpose. That's not what the purpose. Um, yeah. Um, you know, this is saying, uh, um, I've seen it on Instagram um, where you say she understands, she understood the assignment. Yes. I love that. I love that. And I think about that. (laughs) I'm understanding the assignment. (laughs) So, so, I mean, it's little things like that, you know, that, that, that bring us back to, um, uh, to balance. I also want to point out here, listeners, great-grandmother Penny Gamble-Williams is up with the times and is drawing wisdom out of something very contemporary on Instagram. And it's it's so cool because it's like, it's such a profound, it's like such a simple little thing. It comes, I think it comes from a song or like some a, a popular song or something like that. But it's actually this, this, this is what I'm noticing in, in this this social media arena that we're in right now, there is a lot of garbage out there, right? But then there's these like little peaks of of doors opening of of wisdom that's actually quite profound. And it gets sometimes we don't even notice it, you know. But that one specifically, I understood the assignment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's another one, you know, with all the things that are happening to people publicly, you know, on it, it's there's another one mm-hmm. where I can put it all together but mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a a woman's voice I, and and I guess it's a little skit and people will play that on Instagram mm-hmm. they'll listen to you know aunties or grandma's wisdom and she comes out with this is something I've been trying to tell y'all <laughs> we're gonna try to belift you uh-huh. Yes. Satellite yes. you. I'm gonna try to sabotage your name. Yes. Thing to destroy you. And you know yes. what? That is really quite profound because that's what's happening. Even though this mm-hmm. wise grandmother and 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 some people uh, will in their little skit will say, well, maybe she took a little, you know, a little <laughs> <laughs> drink because yeah. What satellites your name? What sabotage you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but regardless, it's the it's the, the 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 feel of what she is saying because that is what's going on. Yes. 
society right now. Mm -hmm. And so this is part of getting back to balance. This is part of getting back to um, understanding what our purpose is. Yeah. And all these outside interferences, Mm -hmm. saying things uh, to hurt your feelings or whatever, um, are all... Uh, I don't know. They're 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 just roadblocks in a sense. If you allow it to seep into your soul, and yeah. that that that's that's a something that continues to play, you know, within my life from past experiences. Yeah, you can't let those things um, interfere with whatever your goal is, whatever your um, focus is. Absolutely. Because it's your life and they don't know. <laughs> Only really, you know, you and, and your spirits. Like <laughs> that's, and that's, that's really what matters. And this is so important. I think when you're talking about like the sabotage and everything and, and, you know, different forces or energies or even people against you, you know, for a long time, I used to think of first, first of all, for a long time, I didn't believe that was true. Like I just had this bubble in my mind. Of course, nobody would work against me. Why would they work against me? Cause I was so sh- sheltered in that way. And, and it's not like my parents sheltered me purposely like that. It's just that that's my heart didn't have the, everything it was hard for me and not the best boundaries around such an open place. And so then I learned and started to acknowledge, accept like, oh yeah, sometimes people can work against you, consciously work against you. And then I would say more recently in the last like 10-ish years, I've been really acknowledging that in the systems around me because people built those systems. And, and I started getting having more understanding of sort of behaviors and tactics of what we would call narcissists or psychopathic people with personality disorders. And those actually exist those behaviors exist in systems. And what I learned is like a system can tell you, we're helping you. This, this is good for you. We're doing our very best for the good of all the people, but what they're actually doing, the actions are very different. And I think that it's important to like acknowledge these things, like you're saying, and have awareness of these things, but also like you're saying, not dwell so much that we forget to remember our assignments (laughs) and know that there are answers out there doing all of those things at once is, is gosh, it's almost like warrior work to, to be able to handle these two big forces going on that are conflicting. I know. I know. And, and I mean, it starts from childhood, right? All these different experiences and um, um, how these experiences are handled when people say things or you see things or, or you question things. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a series of yeah. trying to figure things out and then learning what comes into your space mm-hmm. and what needs to not be anywhere near you. Yeah. Um, and and that's a lot of experience, a lot of time, and sometimes concentration, uh, you know, to um, make sure that you know, you're protected Yeah. in, in many ways, um, you know, because we're vulnerable in a lot of ways um, because other people have other plans. You know, I mean, I mean, just <laughs> where we are now, <laughs> I didn't say, hey, 
you know, let's have a war in Ukraine. No. That was not part of most of our plans, I would say. <laughs> exactly. And, and so we find ourselves in that because mm-hmm. it's, it's palpable. You can feel that energy. Yeah. And and you can feel the, the angst and the, and the uh, uh, confusion and the sadness. And then we have to remember that it's like one air, one earth, one water. And we're all being affected by that. So how does that, how do we deal with that? That's, that's the latest. And there's so many unknowns. Yeah. And it's back to, okay, we're spiritual beings having this human experience. Yeah. How are we going to maneuver through this? Are we going to just lie down and say, oh, well. Or are we going to say, no, we forge ahead with the things that are going to help not only ourselves, but help others? Yeah. You know, I, uh, one of the challenges that I, that I have, and like, I'm in full agreement with you, but one of the challenges I have, and I know a lot of people listening have this challenge is because of the overwhelm in our system like the paying of the bills and the relationships we have and keeping our homes and, you know, whatever, whatever they are, the list goes on is how can we, how can we be of service when we're existing in overwhelm and the system continues to condition our, us into like save yourself and save your family. That's about as all as you can as you know, a lot of people are in survival mode without even realizing it consciously. How do we, how do we do that? How can we, how can we be of service and, and live under these values of one land, one water and, and helping others when we see all this chaos around us and we're, we're, some of us are surviving and and some of us are kind of like at the hilt of what we can handle. I, I don't know. It's different for everybody, but um, there's a way for everybody too, I think. And, and, and that's, that's the um, challenge, so to speak. What mm-hmm. is the way? And, and like you said, there are many ways and people are experiencing things at different levels. Yeah. I, the only thing that I can say is... Uh, if I'm speaking with somebody, I like to share. I like to share um, maybe some of my, I don't want to really call them methods, but uh, different things that I have found um, that are helpful. Um, and sometimes it works. Sometimes people can't hear that because they're in the middle of all the things that you're saying. I mean, I mean I'm in the middle. <laughs> We're all in the middle of all the things that are going on. Yeah. And, 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 and it gets back to um, becoming more aware of the surroundings, uh, but not letting it, like, totally pull us down. Okay. And, and so how do you, how do, you do that? You know, that, that is the thing. How do you do that? So I've, I've seen within myself that, I mean, it, every day is different. It's not Groundhog Day, you know, where everything is the same. Even <laughs> some days might seem like that. But um, it's all about energy. It's, it's all about what we are allowing to come in. 
And um, I mean, that's just kind of a theme basically in, in, in how I, um, you know, how I process, you know, what's coming in, what am I allowing? I mean, you can always turn the TV off. You That's right. Radio <laughs> off. And um, for me, it's not like I'm um, in denial of what's going on, but of course. like I said in the beginning about art and creativity, we're all, we're all creative in many ways. And it's just a matter of understanding what that gift is. You know, what did the creative gift us with? And everybody's different. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a matter of acknowledging the gift and giving thanks for the gift, whether it's um, being a good um, speaker, um, healer. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, there's a plethora of things. Um, that we hold within ourselves. So what are we bringing forth? And I mm. guess it's art, it's creativity, it's color, it's, um, it's movement, it's music. It's so many um, pieces of that part of what was gifted to me that I absolutely must express every day in some kind of way. If I always have a drawing pad close by, or my iPad where I do a lot of, you know, digital work or whatever it is, um, or how I arrange something on a table. It, it's, it's being creative. It's seeing the beauty and, and something that maybe somebody might not even see it, <laughs> you know, but I think that's beautiful. It needs to be like that. So when I walk by, I see it and it makes me feel good. Mm. So um, that's all part of being creative and this is the one thing um times when I've been able to work with young people because that's what I've done for so long you know either in the arts or or whatever or taking care of children mm -hmm. in a care program always finding um a way in to maybe help or to say something that might jog somebody's you know either memory or gives them an idea, even from the little, you know, little tot. Yeah. How, how they might want to arrange the blocks. It's, it, it's things like that, <laughs> you know, that you have to, you have to give and you have to um, be willing to share. Yeah. And, and that, and that's a gift that, that we all have. We just have to bring it forward. Yes. I love that. Yeah, that's everything you're talking about here is is some in some way accessible. I think I want to say in whatever situation you're in. And also what I'm hearing is and you you definitely use the word remember, but remembering who we are as creative beings. That I mean that is there's this theme of remembering who we are and uh and if we can tap into that, no matter what the pressure is, then there will be something to share. You might not know what it is, but there will be something you can share with people that will inspire people in some way or another. Because you never know. That was something that my mother always used to say. You know, we'd have a discussion and, and you're expressing something. And, and she would say in her new, deep New England accent, 
I, I love your accent, by the way. My mother, my mother used to say. Yeah, my mother. And today's her birthday. So oh, happy birthday, dear mother. Oh, yeah. This was so significant when you said, um, are you available on the third? My mother's birthday. Wow. So um, I'm honoring her today. And I'm mm. so grateful to be able to speak her name. Um, on your program. Her name is, was, is Adele Clara Smith Gamble. And she Adele was- Adele Smith Gamble. Yeah, also, um, she was also known as Quiet Fire, but never, she never used that name. Mm. But you know, because of her personality and how she moved through, through life, you know, she was quite a force. She uh, worked with um, young people. She was an artist, mm -hmm. and, um, a community activist, and, and did a lot of things um, in the Providence, Rhode Island community. And um, was quite a quite a mother. I'm so, child, but, you know, but I mean, so how you live? Because I, I see. Like, I mean, it would, it doesn't take much to, to look you up and see so much of what you're involved in. You know, you don't have to look deep. It's, it's out there. Like, so that's something that you grew up with. This is not only in your blood, but also practically part of how you were raised. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, my parents were really something. Uh, they lived through a lot of different things, um, you know, uh, coming from that time period. My dad. Uh, was from Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, and grew up there and spent a lot of time in the country with his grandparents in a little, little town called New Bern, hmm. um, which my husband and I traveled to. And we were in and out of it before we realized, you know, where is New Bern? <laughs> uh. <laughs> we went down this road and then we were in another town. Okay. So, yeah, it was that. It's it's that small. Yeah. Half a horse town. Yeah, there you go. Um, but that's where he spent a lot of his time uh, growing up, you know, in the summer. And so he shared a lot of those experiences. And then he was a musician. Mm -hmm. He was in the armed service, you know, in the Navy. And, you know, this whole thing about segregation and, and all of that stuff. So um, he was an activist in his own right. Mm -hmm. uh, by sharing those stories and um, always reminding me to pay attention. His whole thing was, you have to know what's going on. You have to read the paper. He read books, the newspaper. I mean, he, he stayed up with the times, but he also uh, would instill, he was another one who instilled, you know, use your gifts, use your gifts. And uh, so I, that's my gift. You know, when you're little, when you're young, I mean, what's a gift? Is he talking hmm. about something that Grammy just gave me? That was a nice gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my pencil shop and whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. Until you get older and you realize what these gifts are that you possess inside that, you know, was given. <sighs> wow. And uh, so my mother my father, my grandmother, the whole community. Providence is small. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the city on the east side. And there were so many of us who were alike in, in, in terms of being either Narragansett 
Wampanoag and African American and, and even European. So the and Cape Verdean, Portuguese. So that was the community. And wow. It was a, a very tight community because everybody knew everybody. And when I tell you that, when I moved away and I would come back and, you know, my bring my kids or I, one time I just had my two youngest um, we went to visit and we stopped off at the grocery store, as my mother said, the market, because that's what everybody calls it. <laughs> the market. <laughs> I love it. Off at the market <laughs> and we're going down the aisles and somebody says, oh, Penny, is that you? Oh, wow. Be in town. Uh, I thought you were going to be in later, but he, oh, wow, what time is it now? So you're here early. <laughs> wow. Everybody knows. <laughs> they know your flight number. They know what oh, car you're going to drive in. <laughs> How's your husband? I heard he, you know, he's working at such and such now. It's, these people know everything. And my kids are fascinated mm-hmm. by it. Especially mm-hmm. my youngest. They said, you can't go anywhere where you don't know somebody. <laughs> I... <laughs> Miss that. I love that. I grew up in a small town and I, I just, there's something comforting about that. And honestly, I think it's the way we're supposed to live. <laughs> right about that. That's how I feel, you know, but you adapt and you, you try to make, take little things from that and, and make it a part of, you know, your life, wherever you are, mm-hmm. you know, so you can be the conduit to, to make that happen. Yeah, that's truth. That's true. I, I'm, realizing that right now is just thinking about how I barely know my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> I live in an apartment building in the city and uh, I, I, yeah, there's this lady next door and every once in a while I'm, I'm a little scatterbrained and every once in a while I leave my keys in my front door. Mm-hmm. And though this building has security, sometimes people will just walk through and they'll look for open doors and things will get stolen. And, um, and so leaving my keys in the door is not a good idea, especially in the middle of the city. And my next door neighbor is just, she's so caring and she's, I don't even know her name. And she's like, she'll knock on my door and be like, your keys are in the door. She's like, look, you're by yourself. You don't live with anybody. So from now on, I'm just going to, if I see your keys, I'm just going to open your door and throw them in and then close, close your door for you. Okay. Just know that that's going to happen. And I was like, okay, thanks. And it's happened a few times. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how it's like, it's, when I hear that door open and keys like fly into my house, <laughs> like the door close, I'm like, oh, wow. Like I'm taken care of by this person who lives next to me. I don't even know her name. Yeah, I know, and, and I'm like, I, I live next to a whole floor of people that have things going on that like literally I, their energies right next to me, their ancestors and their spirits probably have had conversations with my ancestors and my spirits. Like we're living on the same land and I you know, and, and here I am longing for more community. I'm like, there, there, there's so much opportunity right to, outside of my door. It's funny how that is. Um, because when um, we moved into this neighborhood, everybody knew everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our kids played with other kids and the new people moved in. And, you know, our house was like the hub, you know? And, um, you know, I used to do arts and crafts in the backyard and <gasps> it turned out to be like a little day camp. <laughs> I want to live next to you. <laughs> I'm um, moving. But that was then. And, and this is now, you know, play music, do the, um, be in the garden and, and planting things and having kids come and help. And, and, you know, 
had sons that were into music and they were banging on paint cans and having their their friends come over and you know play guitars and all kinds of stuff so there was a lot of things like that yeah within several blocks of kids coming here and now things are so different people come and go you don't know who they are yeah and and people don't speak <laughs> you, know, you wave and then you know, I, I have trouble because, so I take care of other people's kids in, in a neighborhood where there's a lot of people who know each other and there's potentials for playing on the street and everything all the time. But, and, and I've thought to myself, you know, if I had kids, I try to, because I'm taking care of other people's kids, it's different. You know, they're not my flesh and blood and I get paid to take care of them. But I also, I try to apply to like, if they were my kids, what would I do? Cause I want to give them the best that I know within me. And there have been times when I'm like, gosh, if these were my own kids, I would have a lot of qualms in the era that we're in because it's like, I want them to be able to play outside and, and be able to just hang out on the, on the block and, mm -hmm. and do whatever and go in and out of people's houses. But I'm also so aware right now that in this time of what I've been calling a great revelation <laughs> and all this pressure and the shifting of what's going on spiritually, psychologically, how we're identifying ourselves and others. Mm -hmm. I also know that there's a lot of shadow coming up, a lot of the stuff that we don't necessarily want to see. And I'm lucky to be within myself and communities, people who go to therapy, who do, do their shadow work, if we want to call it that, who, who do workings with their spirits, ancestors, angels, or whatever, and are consciously on a healing and evolution path. And, but that's not everybody. I feel like that's a smaller percentage in this world than, than I, I would like it to be. And, and so while I'm like, I would want, if they were my kids to be able to play and do all that, be in out everybody's house and, and feel free to go sleep over at somebody's house or whatever. I'm also highly aware that there's a lot of people walking around that though they might be responsible to know, to tell your kid to get out of the street or like feed your kid when they're hungry. I find myself really deeply not trusting that they're in a place of um, they're in a place of responsibility with their own shadow stuff or their own traumas or their their whatever's maybe circling around them that might be parasitic. Uh, I've, I'm feeling un untrusting of the general population around me and the acquaintances around me. Uh, that they that they would be okay to be around my children if I had them or children in my care. Exactly. That's that's somewhat of the reality that we're all experiencing and, and seeing, hearing about right now. It's it's um it's the sign of the times, and I look at it this way mm. because of the destruction that has happened. Mm -hmm. poisoning of the water, mother earth, the air. Mm. Um, it's affecting people. And yeah. you know, the GMO food, uh, the lack of food in, 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 in a lot of um, um, communities where they don't have, you know, food. Yeah. Food sovereignty things going mm -hmm. on. And so they're not getting the nutrition that's needed I mean, it's it's all connected. Yes, it's all connected. 
And uh, even though there, there's so much information about growing your own food and, and, and uh, growing micro um, greens in your house and, and, and all kinds of wonderful things like that, but every, everybody doesn't understand that or they, you know, they, don't, they don't see themselves doing that because mm-hmm. they're not sure how they can. And, and so people end up with all kinds of maladies and, and ways of, of thinking. And it, sometimes it's generational. So yes, um, uh, it, it's like a confluence of, of things that are happening right now. And, and we're seeing sometimes the worst in, in human behavior. And even though there are some really wonderful things that are going on with people who are trying to do something yeah. um, about the things that are, that are happening um, all, all around uh, the country and around the world. So it, it's, it's a bit complicated in, in, in many ways, but I think once we step back and, and we see what's going on and understand that regardless of what's going on, we still have to live our lives um, in a way that's that's good for the for this earth that we that we live on and for the people who come into our our lives that we come in contact with. Yeah, one commu- one water, one community, one earth. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what what we're. This is what we have. Mm. <laughs> exactly what we have. Hey, Aunt Penny, we were talking a little earlier about like your parents and you started talking a little bit about Chappaquiddick and Wampanoag. And um, I'm just wondering about something that blew me away that I had just learned in, in about 2020. And that was back when you and I met and uh, Dima Mahmoud and I were doing Africa Week 2020, which listeners, if you want to check it out, all those videos are on, on Facebook. And during this, we had this panel and I don't remember, cause you sat in on a lot of, a lot of panels and, and did a lot of stuff with us. Uh, thank you for doing that, by the way, it's such a weird time. 2020 week, 2020 is so strange. Um, but, uh, I had just started learning through you and some people who are in the Caribbean about, Afro-Native heritage. Mm-hmm. And my mind blew up because it's just something that I just never considered. Yeah. Like in my head, the conditioning is that there's people who are native to these lands and there's different tribes and stuff. And then there are enslaved peoples that were brought from West Africa and that's their story. And so in, you know, obviously in the last like 15 years, I've been like digging into, to, you know, figuring out more about what that's about. And instead of thinking of, uh, of people who are African-American just to say enslaved peoples, but for some reason in all the, the researching and, um, interactions that I, I was experiences that I was learning about, there was nothing about native Afro culture I was also surprised to learn that there were people that had dark black skin that were living also on this, on this side of the world, on this continent that never touched enslavement. 
And it, it, like, I was like, oh my God, I'm 30. At that time, I think I was 37. And I was like, how have I never heard these stories? And I'm like, wow. Okay. So I uncovered some history and I'm like, I never heard this. Or I never heard the real story of Rosa Parks. I never heard the real story, but like, I never even thought to think outside of enslavement and think like that, you know, these people aren't slaves. They're, they're just people who were enslaved. And I'm like, oh my God. And then to hear this. I know. I'm like, how? <laughs> I know why, but how, <laughs> how? So could you, I know I'm not the only one and most of our, I bet most of our listeners are like, please tell me more about this. Right. So could you share just a little bit about your heritage journey and also, also what, what are we talking about when we're talking about Afro native and your experience with that? Okay. It's a big question. I know. (laughs) No, this is this is what I know because this is what I experienced, and then later on, you know, gained more information. <clears throat> Growing up in my in my community, as I as I told you earlier, Providence, um, it was a very interesting community, and and there there were the Narragansett people of Southern Rhode Island. Uh, they had they have a reservation and. Many people would come to the city to work, mm-hmm. and then you had Wampanoags from you know Massachusetts who also moved to uh, Rhode Island and and lived in this you know this community on uh, the east side of Providence, mm-hmm. and so you get used to that, um, you you know in your community, and then when you venture out, like the mixing, like get used to just people mixing like that and having native culture mix in with the urban life? Exactly. And, or, you know, in many different, in many different ways, because like I said, they're Cape Verdeans. Okay. Yeah. Portuguese and, you know, so many different cultures Mm -hmm. in a, you know, a small radius. Uh, So that was one part of it, of, of, you know, knowing, um, you know, this Italian community, the Irish community, the Jewish community, Cape Verdean, the Portuguese, and we're all kind of somewhat together, you know, yes. acting in many different ways. And then you have Native people, like I said, who came uh, from different um, communities in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. So you're used to that. But then when you venture out to go to, to school and you talk about being, you know, Wampanoag, and they look at you, looking at your hair, looking at your skin color mm. and and all kinds of things and then they put that doubt in your mind because you're kind of in your community but then when you venture out and you talk about that a lot of people don't understand that and they didn't understand that because in new england they said all the new england indians were dead mm-hmm. so you have that to contend with and there's a story i like to tell um Fifth grade, uh, went back to school, had a great summer. You know, I went to the Cape to visit relatives. I'm on Martha's Vineyard for a month um, in New Bedford, visiting other relatives. And we go down to August meeting uh, down to Narragansett um, to celebrate down there. It's not really a powwow, but it, it 
kind of is. It's just a, it's a it's a very um, special gathering that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Wow! I used to go there, so that was a big deal. So you go back to school. The teacher says, "Write about what you did this summer, boys and girls." And I was a very shy child. You know, I like to listen. I like to be the one. I asked questions, but I was more of a listener. You know, mm-hmm. I was excited to hear. And when somebody asked me for my opinion, eh, you know, I, I <laughs> but that particular day, I wrote what I did. I stood up and I read it. And when I sat down, the teacher came over and firmly put her hand on my shoulder, squeezed it and said, it's not nice to tell stories like that. You know, all the New England Indians are dead. Mm-hmm. I slumped out my chair. All the other students, you know, were giggling and looking at me, you know, like I had lied. So I went home, told my mother. <sighs> told you my mother was quiet fire, right? Yes, and she was quiet about being quiet fire. <laughs> and she said, never let anybody tell you who you are. Ah, uh, Or your history. And, you know, with admonishment, she, she just would not, she, she wouldn't hear of it. Mm-hmm. So the next day, she accompanied me to school. Oh! <laughs> had a little talk with the principal and eventually the teacher. Yes, quiet fire. Bless you. <laughs> so um, that really helps me. That fifth grade experience, that time period in my life, made me promise myself that I would never, ever let anybody say that. And no matter what it took, I was going to let people know that we exist. Yeah. Because that's what my mother told them, that you're looking at a, a, a Wampanoag and we exist. Yes. So that was my entry into speaking up or talking a little bit more than I had in the past and, and really standing firm and, and, you know, that being of who I yeah. am, along with my father talking about what he experienced, segregation, because it was segregation in Rhode Island too, we all knew that, but we were kind of comfortable in our community, you know, our, that little radius of, of Afro-natives, Cape Verdeans, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, so the way that a lot of people um, from the time of enslavement. Uh, wait a minute, I'm going to put a pause on that. Mm-hmm. Before Columbus, let's be real. Uh-huh. These Africans came to this continent down in the Yucatan and other places um, mm-hmm. and traded and, you know, intermarried, um, had connections with people. People in that area, the Mayans, etc., would go back to Africa as people traveled back and forth. And it's in the logs of uh, Columbus who realized that this was happening. They were here way before he was and some of the other explorers. Uh, Penny, Penny, before you go on, do you mind sharing with us like sources? It could be now or later where if people want to find out more about the African presence in these lands in South America and what we call America and South America. Could, right. 
Could you share that with us if, for people who are wanting to know more about that, like where to find info? There's a book by Ivan Van Sertema, and his book is They Came Before Columbus. Mm-hmm. And then there is another book, and I wish I had that in front of me right now, but I don't, um, by uh, a native uh, uh, educator who, his name is Jack D. Forbes. And he wrote several books and he gave, um, you know, uh, praises to Ivan Van Sertimer for writing that book. And then he later on, continued doing research and he challenged other people who read his book to continue to do the research, to find out more about this Afro native connection. Um, So that's a foundation and that's something that really was kept out of the history books. Yes. And, and then of course the experience in New England up and down the coast the mm-hmm. East Coast, where they said there are no Indians. They said that about Maryland. Oh, there are no Indians in Maryland. There are no Indians in New Jersey. There's definitely no Indians in Rhode Island. Yeah. So forth and so on. And then, you know, Virginia, the Carolinas, all, you know, but we knew better. Yeah. We knew better. Um, <clears throat> but a lot of the um, intermarriage came uh, from. Uh, and in the enslavement period. So um, there's something that uh, someone coined the phrase, stolen people on stolen land. Mm-hmm. And so people were enslaved together in the Carolinas, picking cotton, the indigo fields, all the different things that were done mm-hmm. in the Carolinas and Georgia, et cetera, where <clears throat> enslaved people were together with enslaved native people from the different tribal nations down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you had that. And then of course you're penalized for that, you know, because now you're um, faced with what the um, slave owners and some of them allowed that to happen, wanted that to happen. They, uh, they used to say, if you, mated a native woman with an African man, you'd have a stronger stock. Oh, man. So it it, it was very inhumane in a lot of ways, but there there were actual relationships that happened that formed and were forged during those times. Wow. Uh, So now you have people who are mixed, they're African and native, and they are still within that community. But yet they're being told that you don't exist because now you have that run one drop rule. One drop of black blood, you are no longer native. And then you can be filed into chattel slavery. Well, all of that, but you can be um, uh, reclassified. And, th- and that's what uh-huh. happened in Virginia. You know, the, um, wow, what a mess. What a mess. And it happened in, in New England. So a lot of Narragansett people were, um, you know, declassified. And even though they're on the same land that they've been there for time immemorial, mm-hmm. and now they're, they're just reclassified as colored. 
or Nico. <laughs> yeah, they've done. They do ceremonies. Yes, there were there were um, people inter intermarried, but they never lost the culture. So okay, so just for clarity, what I'm hearing you say is that when we're talking about Afro Native culture, mm-hmm. we're talking about. I think you said how how people came together from African heritage and various native heritages that came together by choice. And this is happening pre-Columbus days for hundreds of years that we might not even know how far back that goes. And also the intermarrying that was forged by, um, you know, basically supremacy and capitalism practices uh, to, to create, you know, what they thought would be the strongest quote unquote stock as they say. Right. So, and some of this is documented and yeah. some of it isn't. Mm-hmm. And so some of what we know is passed down through, you know, we can read it, we can find it. And then there's some where there's groups of people who just know, and it's, it comes through oral history. Yeah. Wow. It's all of those, it's all of those things and, and not yeah. everybody intermarried. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of different um, variations uh, of a theme, so to speak. So you have these communities. Um, I'll just go back to where I'm from, <clears throat> where you have, you know, I, I this thing, full blood, <laughs> that a lot of people like to throw around. Yes. You have people who um, whose families did not intermarry with people, and so you have a certain you have a certain line, and then somebody would marry uh, a non-native person or a person who was mixed native and African and European. Yeah. Get together. So you have these variations of people who are living in that community you know, that has always existed where they know who they are mm-hmm. because of what they, who, what they look like mm-hmm. and they continue their cultural practices. And now this is, this, this has been going on for so long. Yes. And yet the colonial Western construct of so-called historians um, and in- intellects who want to write history consciously leave those things out because it 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 has a lot to do with land. Yes, it has a lot to do with the history that's been created in terms of how America came to be. Mm-hmm. You know, with the four you know our forefathers, our great leaders, our you know, et cetera, and so forth, and all the wonderful things, our values are, and I could go on and on and on. Where are we now? They want to not talk about slavery anymore. They don't want to talk about that existing. They don't want to talk about so many things that are wrong with this country. Yeah. just want to sweep it under the rug because... It's brought out the guilt. It's brought out the truth. And, you know, as that. Movie and it will screw with their money. <laughs> I mean, totally. 
Oh, this is- <laughs> let's <laughs> let's be real about that too. It'll screw with a lot of people's money. <laughs> Imagine when um, Barack Obama became president, and I remember something that um, Michelle Obama talked about being in the house that was built by Africans, yeah, by enslaved people who built the Capitol and the White House and all these other buildings. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, you know, a lot of people weren't ready for that. They were absolutely not ready for that. And so I guess maybe a couple of people said, let's make note of that. Let's put that under the rug. We can't talk about that. When they're gone, we're not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's just a whole bunch of things like that. So we are in a moment of truth about everything that's going on right now. And a lot of truths are being revealed mm-hmm. about everything, about wars, about COVID, about you name it. It's coming to the surface. And there's a bunch of people that are trying to, oh, no, yeah. you, can't, you can't let that out. No. And, and, and so there's the confusion. So it's about cutting through all of that and looking at it for what it really is. And if we really open our minds, we see what it is. And now we have to figure out how are we going to heal from that how yeah. are we going to move through life without getting more scars from all of that because we all have scars from it of it's course right now it's really about healing yeah and and i truly believe that no matter where you're from or what color however little or much melanin you have in your skin that the wounds that we all suffer is actually the same like the seed of that wound and i i truly believe that's being um conditioned to think that we're disconnected from the land ancestors and spirit we've been just all of us have been dehumanized at at some point and then we exist under these structures that continue to put us in these boxes and give us these labels and continue to get us attached to ways of being and ideas that just cause us to fight each other and get distracted from who we really are and also who what is actually working against us and and taking focus off knowing the truth about about you know the system that we're in and 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 what is really inside us and it's like as i'm saying it it sounds conceptually really simple but you know like we said before we have a life around us and we have the kids and and the food and the bills and going through the day. Um, So yeah, I'm glad we're having this conversation and, and I'm interested to see what people think about this book too. that came before us because I have posted about this book because I asked like, has anybody, has anybody read this book? And, and uh, this is like maybe a year ago. I haven't read it yet, but I posted because somebody gave it to me on a reading list once. And it was interesting to see the, the reactions. There were some people who were like, this is a great book. I highly recommend it. And then there were some people, and I don't know where they were coming from. I, I don't know if they're coming from institutions or not, but they were like, no, this is all disproven. This, none of this is real. It, it's, you know, all of it's bogus. And I'm like, huh? Like, and I remember the people who were saying that I respect like what they're doing in this world and their work. And I wonder like how much of how we interact, I feel like there's this consistent this consistent uh, rejection and denial of anything, of anything that reveals a truth about terrible things that have happened to indigenous people of this land, 
enslaved people. Anything that sort of and and I am not saying that those people who didn't have didn't like this book um, were you know brainwashed into that at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like it's it's suspect to me that I see that pattern that anyone talking even a little bit about how you know this what they call alternative history, which may actually be the real history, right? It's it's interesting how aggressive and how uh, loud people get about no that can't be real it's not real and here's the intellectual reasons and and here are the the practical reasons and the logical reasons and I'm like yeah but the reality that we're in and what we believe and what we teach each other isn't logical either or practical or you know how we're living isn't logical or practical it actually doesn't work and I know that to heal something acknowledging a wound or a block and and finding the truth behind the truth is is necessary for for healing a lot of the time. So why not find out about this stuff? I mean, that logically, that sounds logical and practical to me. Who <laughs> is open his book and Jack Forbes' book and look at the bibliography, <laughs> look at all the research where they went to get this information. Yeah, traveling to uh, European institutions, libraries, talking to scholars who know this this history yes and who've not denied it who's written europeans who've written about mm -hmm. uh, you know the concept of not concept but the reality of they came before columbus right um it's it's documented it's documented. yes and ivan van sertema bless his heart he's in the spirit world did this yeah and he was vilified because in the institutions if if you get this history out, it changes the whole uh, <laughs> everything. This country and about a lot of other things that, that happened in this world. To look at Africa as the, the seat of where people came from and, and the seat of, of knowledge. I mean, look at how they've suppressed that. Nobody thinks about um, the, all the, the Greeks that went to uh, Africa to, to learn, learn. <laughs> started back and they were kind of enslaved by the, by the Romans, uh -huh. the, the Romans. And yeah, I mean, it's, okay. it's mind blowing. It is, it is. And, and um, so I, I, I just give thanks for Ivan Van Sertema and Jack Forbes and so many other people. I mean, there, there's some, uh, Tony Anthony Tony Browder, who goes back and forth to Egypt uh, to uh, Kemet mm -hmm. uh, to e explore that history. He's been doing it for maybe thirty five years. Wow! Bringing back amazing information. Um, there, there are so many other other people. Um, a brother. Oh my gosh! I need to bring his name forward because he he also needs to be um, be heard. But there's another brother who has who did so much um, his his exploring um, museums and talking to people and going traveling to Africa and ever just about every place in the world mm -hmm. um, bringing forth African um, history and 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 knowledge. 
if you can't remember his name, then we'll definitely post I'll post all these books and everything and we'll post his name as well uh, in the Instagram and, and almost coming. It's almost there. Blurt <laughs> it out before we <laughs> Okay, okay. Um I have a, a question about uh, a position that you held. You were you were chief Songsqua, I think I'm saying that right. Uh, from 1995 to 2002. And I wanted to ask about this experience for you, especially now that we understand, you know, some of the challenges that are around just having an identity like Afro-Native. And also, I think a lot of us are aware of the challenges of of native people and their sovereignty here in the United States as, you know, as well as, as sort of the conditions that African Americans live in. There's a, a lot of, and you're a woman, and there's a lot of convergence here. Uh, a lot of what we call now intersectionality that, that you represent. And so could you tell us a little, first give us a little context because a lot of us have no idea when somebody says chief, we have a very super superficial idea of what that is. So could you just tell us a little bit about what that means and tell us some of the roses and thorns of, of being chief for seven years. That's a considerable amount of time. Okay. Um, I have to start at a certain point. Sure. All the way back to my birth, but a lot of that has something to do with it. Um, it was kind of how I was raised and the knowledge that my mother passed down to me and so many other um, elders uh, living in the city and knowing that we, um, that my mother's people came from Chappaquiddick Island. How do, how do we bridge that? And, and um, it was a time when land had been stolen from us, um, tricked. We were, our people were tricked out of losing the land, thinking that we would come back. I mean, uh, the island was very small. We occupied the whole island before the English came. And then when they started coming, first the first thing they did was they made an agreement with our, our sachem, uh, Paki Panuso. And uh, <laughs> they wanted to just bring their, send their animals over there to graze. Hmm. So we didn't have those animals. We didn't have, you know, swine. We didn't have cows, mm -hmm. things like that. But some agreement happened, and um, our, our grand sachem thought that it was just going to be a couple animals that would, you know, occupy a little pasture. But they brought a whole slew of animals, and it it just you know, caused a lot of trouble. So from that point on, we had issues about land. <clears throat> uh -huh. Some people actually went to England to speak to the crown. We sent letters, et cetera. Wow. Right. And then we couldn't live like that. And then now the English were coming and they were um, converting people mm -hmm. and so forth. So, you kind of get to, the, to religion, right? Converting yeah. people to religion. Okay. To to their religion, and and some of our people loved storytelling, and of course, you know, they talked about the allegories, they talked about the psalms, and 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 we had people who had once been enslaved, learned English, mm -hmm. came back, and so the, those are the people 
that um, the missionaries would, would deal with because now they can interpret, <clears throat> they could speak in um, Wampanoag and, you know, tell the story and kind of entice people. Yeah. And, and so now you had those who were being converted are being told you can no longer listen to what your Saitjim is saying. He's the devil. He's evil. Uh-huh. Oh, medicine people, they don't know what they're doing. They're going to poison you. They're going to, oh, your brother doesn't want to join us? Don't talk to him anymore. Um, uh-huh. I'm simplifying it, but there were actually, yes. and then there were Christian towns that were being uh, created where only Christian natives could live. And if your mm-hmm. sister or cousin or mother didn't agree with that, you no longer had um relations sounds like a cult sure does so with all that that went on and now we come up to uh, a different time period now my family most of them had to leave uh to make a living Uh uh-huh so what's happening to the land we thought that we could come back and and go back to the land actually that was allotted to us i mean because they made Chappaquiddick into um, a reservation Mm -hmm. and uh, so we had a certain area it was called the land of the whites and the lands of the so-called Indians because there had been inter intermarriages Mm -hmm. Africans and um, you know it's interesting in in New England um, and Connecticut where the Pequot would um, bring in runaways and and uh, you know, formerly enslaved people or some who had just gotten off the boat, the, the slave ships. Because mm-hmm. um, these ports, you know, you, I guess the captain or whomever couldn't keep track of everybody. Yes. Sometimes there would be someone who wasn't totally chained and would slip away. Wow. Good for them. Bless. Yeah. And, and so that happened in, in many different areas where the Pequot and Connecticut and the Narragansett would take in runaways. And so did the Wampanoags. Wow. Uh, yeah. And there's a, a, a Wampanoag family, an Aquina family. They live on the main island of Mapa's Vineyard, uh, Nopi. Uh, their family actually helped a runaway. Um, they, they harbored him and they wouldn't let those who were looking for him, they, they, they hit him. They said, we don't, we don't know anything. They were able to get his chains off and they still have those chains in their family. What? So there are stories like that. So with all of these things that happened and we don't have our land, we, we have titles, but we don't, uh, uh, we don't own it all. So a family was allotted land, but, one family member didn't have the money and they allowed a white person to, um, to have that portion of the land. And it went on like that. Oh my so God. Fifties and sixties families like mine would get letters from attorneys. Uh, and then there would be these things posted in the, in the Vinny Gazette, um, about land that would, um, was going up for, um, auction. Are you saying 1950 and 1960? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make that real clear 50, about 60, when this was. These letters were going out to um, Chappaquiddick Wampanoag families. 
I, I yeah, I, I just, I have to say, this is really important for us to acknowledge that this was not that long ago in history. No, not at all. Yeah. So within the, the families of Chavaquitic Wampanoags who lived within the neighborhood, um, we were all together, even though we weren't on Chavaquitic, but we were in Providence. Some were living in North Providence, some people were living in East Providence, but we all knew each other. We went to the same churches, we partied together, we, we had socials together, mm-hmm. and everybody talks and everybody went to everybody's house. So yeah. the Chappaquiddick continued in, in, in Rhode Island. And then we had relatives in New Bedford and, and on the Cape. So, you know, there was this stream of uh, this unbroken chain, so to speak, of being together. And so my mother and some of the other um, uh, uh, Chappaquiddick Wampanoag people would get together and, you know, talk about these letters. Did you get a letter? Well, I got a letter last week. And so things that I would hear, um, you know, uh, growing up and they would ponder, what can we do about this? Nobody had the money to hire attorneys. So one by one land would be sold or auctioned off and you'd get a a thousand dollars if you were lucky. Oh my God. And they sometimes $200. So, Oh my God! Wow! <laughs> Jesus Christ! My, my activism um, <laughs> was very much you know, nurtured there, and then I moved to DC uh, in '72 during the time of the Trail of Broken Treaties, where Native people took over the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So that was a big story, and I was seeing all that and hearing it. I didn't get involved at that particular time. I didn't get involved until. 1978, the longest walk where Native people walked and converged. They walked from California, uh, Alcatraz to California, mm-hmm. and converged here in Washington, D.C. to bring a message to, I think at the time it was uh, Carter. I'm not sure who was in office at that time, but uh, 20 points. Here are the things that Native people need. We have to have this. And it was about. Um, uh, better schools, better housing, health, um, uh, Indian Child Welfare Act. Uh, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I got involved with that. I walked from where I lived to D.C. with my wow. backpack uh, to be a part of it and met some friends there. And um, I volunteered to be you know, in the office and work at the Longest Walk office. And my wow. whole world opened up in terms of what was going on in other native communities. And then I looked back to mine and I realized, I said, we got to do something about this. Yeah. I was my mother all the time. And, you know, she and, and all the other um, family members, ex- uh, distant relatives, you know, because we're all related in, in, in many ways of Chappaquiddick people didn't know what to do. And so now I'm meeting, um, tribal leaders from the Lakota Nation, from the Dene Nation, from California, Cherokee, you name it, they're all coming to the Longest Walk office. And I'm there as a volunteer, you know, taking calls and opening mail. It was a time of Leonard Peltier being, you know, arrested. It's a lot going on. And I'm I'm like a sponge. 
and I'm, I, I'm seeing, you know, how deep all of this is. So now I'm trying to figure out what it, is it that I can do for my people. Yeah. It took a while. I'm, I met the indigenous people of, of Maryland, the Piscataway Indian Nation, and got very involved with them. They kind of took me in because I could, I could make posters and flyers. Well, <laughs> the artist. <laughs> I, I was invited to go to one of their meetings, and, and my friend who invited me introduced me um, because they had a tribal meeting. And she said, oh, and she's an artist. So <laughs> the Scattaway Indian Nation said, good, I'm going to put you to work. Can you do a flyer? <laughs> I said, yeah. Yeah. I was in. And I learned so much. Use those that. gifts. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. So I, I, I learned so much from from um, that chief, Chief um, Billy Red Wing Tyak and, and, and so many of the people. And his community embraced a lot of people from Central and South America, from other nations. So it was a hub. Anybody who came to DC that had to testify up on Capitol Hill about all these things always met at, you know, Tyak territory. Yeah. And, um, and I was there. I met, you know, Russell um, Means and all of, all of the AIM leaders. I joined the American Indian Movement. I, I became a member of Women of All Red Nations, and I immersed myself in the politics and all the things that were going on in Indian country. And that's when um, I got this opportunity to um, meet other people and kind of had this vision of bringing the Chappaquiddick people um, back to the land. And so that's how I became the chief. We had an election after our um, initial meeting on Chappaquiddick. Uh, we had a ceremony wow. at a gathering, potluck. And we only thought maybe, maybe 10 or 15 people would come. 50 people came. And it was an amazing ceremony, um, um, uh, you know, I mean, because <laughs> you just never know where you're going to end up. And, and, and many times I would be introduced to somebody who'd be that gem that I wasn't even looking for. But it would it would just they'd say, you know, you should you should talk to so and so. Yeah, um, because that was my my intentions were how do I make something happen? Because that's what I was always hearing from my mother. We don't know what to do. We don't have the money to hire an attorney. How would we ever get back to the to the island? Mm -hmm. and, um, so the ancestors tapped me on the shoulder and would place me in a library, and I would find a book. Wow. <laughs> I would find exactly what I needed, or you know, find a document, and it's kept it kept going on and on, and then finally, after talking to the the elders um especially this i don't want to tear up but it's really amazing how the creator places you in different different situations and that's exactly what happened because wow. this one elder um he said penny if that's what you think we need to do do it we have to bring our people together and 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 so it kept going on like that. God. 
And so we met, we decided to have meetings all the time and we decided to have an election. Um, we decided to um, uh, incorporate in case we ever made any money, people could donate. Yeah. Uh, and look at our spirit, look at our spiritual selves. Talk about our stories, uh, what mm. our grandparents shared and great grandparents. And, and, and of course, a lot of the um, people, the elders there, I mean, they, they used to live, you know, they would be there all the time, not on Chappaquiddick, because that was almost a, a place where you really couldn't go. It had a lot of wealthy people yeah. and, and only, I think there was only one or two families, um, native families that lived on that, on that island. Wow. Um, but to go there, uh, because you, you take a ferry to Martha's Vineyard and then you have to take a, uh, another ferry to get to Chappaquiddick. And <sighs> as a child, we would go, but we'd never get out. Mm-hmm. We just drive down Chappaquiddick Road and then make a wide turn and just slowly drive back and maybe look out at the beach. Yeah. And people would point out, yeah, that's where, that's where your, your grandfather used to, to live, right there in that house with Aunt Sarah. And, and, and then that, that's where the family, that was a family compound over there. Then we oh, my gosh. Ride back to Martha's Vineyard and, and get some clams and, it's like a ghost town of rich, occupied by rich people. Yeah. Or, or, or people who, may, you know, not everybody there was wealthy, but, it, yeah. it, you know, descendants of some of the missionaries, you know what I mean? Oh, right. That. I mean, I, you know, it sounds like hearing your story in the setting, it sounds like you becoming Sunk Squad was this beautiful spirit blessed convergence of you using your gifts of you being a receptor of all of these experiences of the native and indigenous leadership and activists from all over this land. Yeah. Because it it sounds like a lot of what you did, what was um, like, you were just absorbing this wisdom and, you know, I, I love the story about you, you know, being, you know, making the flyers and stuff too, because, you know, I've been definitely parts of movements, communities and events where like, you're the person doing something like doing some work where you're like, you know, making something with your hands or whatever. And all you have to do besides the, the, the art you're making or whatever is meditatively listen to the conversations that are going on around you. Yeah. I, I wasn't the outside person. I wasn't the yeah. one. I was the worker. I would go to yeah. the I would be the one who would maybe take notes or listen or, or, or call somebody up. So I did a lot of background work. Yes. I'm comfortable doing that mm-hmm. uh, than anything else. And then supporting everything that was going to make a change and make things better. Um, environmentally, because that was a big um, piece of what was going on. So I was very involved with environmental issues, indigenous issues, people issues, African issues. So it all kind of came together because that's, that was the only way that I could, I could live and and do things. God. 
Thank you for walking this path. I mean, it's, it's like, and it also makes, reminds me of like, don't ever take for granted that person in the corner who's answering the calls or, you know, everybody that is there for whatever the cause is or helping towards a goal. Everybody has value. And, um, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you're sharing this. It's really a beautiful convergence of all of these amazing things about you. And, yeah. um, hmm, go ahead. The beauty of it is, you know, my husband always supported all, all of these things. And sometimes he was involved in, in many ways, you know, helping and, and, you know, our kids were involved, uh, mm-hmm. ceremonies and, you know, I made sure that they understood that part of their culture, you know, cause they're also West Indian culture. And, and yeah. so all of, all of those connections, you know, their, their Carib blood on the, on the West Indian side and, and, and you know, just kind of, I mean, they, they went to a lot of rallies. So let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> the regulars. Here's a picture of, of our youngest daughter holding a, a, a flag. And just the expression on her face is like, why did I say I would come to this rally? <laughs> but you know what? She remembers parts of why she was there, even though she didn't want to be there on that day, mm-hmm. and how it has helped her. And she is an activist within her own right, you know, about a lot, a lot of different things and aware all of them, all of our children are aware of these things, even though they've taken different paths, but uh, several of them are involved uh, with the tribe, um, you know, uh, on the, on the council and, and the nonprofit side, uh, a grand, a grandson Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, just everybody's kind of in, involved in their own way. Oh, that's beautiful. What, what would you, you've passed on so, um, so many awesome, you know, ways of looking at the world to your children and, and wisdom to your children. Um, the listeners of this podcast are, are mostly women. And I wonder, is there any specific indigenous wisdom that you're familiar with that you think would be particularly important for women in the time we're in right now? Uh, yeah, it, it's all about allowing yourself to remember and to understand why you're here. We as women are nurturers. Um, we give, you know, give birth. Uh, we give birth to ideas. Uh, you know, birthing is sometimes more than children. It's, it's, it's a lot, it's a, it encompasses a lot of different things. And understanding the connection to mother earth because the earth is female, the water is female. We get a lot of our energy from grandmother moon. Yeah. Um, and the balance, grandfather, son, you know, so being aware of all these things and, and, um, uh, the animals and the plants and connecting to the, the stars. I, I mean, it's, it's not some kind of lofty idea. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Cause sometimes people look at you like, okay, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, but it's, 
it's all of those things because we are a part of it. We come from the stardust wherever we come from. We are everything yeah. within the creation. And so for women, understanding that and being comfortable with it yeah. and um, ceremony and prayer are so important. Whatever ceremony might be for somebody, it's not the same for everybody. Yes. But allowing some kind of ceremony, because uh, ceremony is life. As a matter of fact, there is a book that's hard to find, and it was written by a man. His name, he's a um, Mashpee Wampanoag. His mm. name is Gisatanamak, and he wrote a book called Ceremony is Life. It's a very small book. And um, I will, you know, give you the information so you can. Sure, sure. Thank you. And he wrote a book about our way of life, but it's not just a Wampanoag way. It's kind of a way that a lot of people could adopt because it just yeah. brings us back to knowing um, and connecting. And I, I want to read this one quote that I think is apropos. Please uh, do to um to women and and, and all of us <clears throat> the survival of all species depends on our grasping the significance of what was learned during the beginning time and what we learned was this that ceremony is life itself it is the way we do things it is the way we remain balanced maintain balance mm. and harmony with all mm. our relations. It is the way we honor our ancestors and protect the earth for the yet mm. unborn generation. Huh. In this little book ah. is that, that bit of wisdom. And, and, and there's another, another person who was a male, but you know what? The, this man mm -hmm. it, understands balance yeah balance of the male and female within him mm -hmm. and when i read his words i understand i realize that he he understands who he is yes you know and and here's somebody else that i admire <clears throat> is um evo morales he after one of the cop um, I forget what year that was, uh, in 2029, uh, to, uh, 2009, he decided to bring people to Bolivia to really look at what's going on with Mother Earth, the environment. And so he called for a conference yeah. to be held where people could come from all over, indigenous people from Africa from the islands, from every, yeah. everywhere on the planet could come and talk about what we as indigenous peoples could do to lift up the energy and the vibration and take care of Mother Earth. So I was fortunate enough to be at that conference in Bolivia. Hmm. And it was amazing. I met Afro-Bolivians, Afro-Brazilians, and uh, we had our own little little meeting, you know, to talk about uh, all of the things that were happening in those communities. And um, 
Evo Morales, I think, was one leader who realized that there was a, there were issues and they needed to be um, treated better. And so, you know, that that was that was a good thing. You know, elevating that community and honoring them and acknowledging and not marginalizing them. Mm. So uh, I have a lot of respect for what he did, bringing people together on on all levels from all different walks of life uh, to talk about this one important piece. That's together. Oh, excuse me. You know, that seems to be a theme in everything that you're talking about. You were talking about you had sort of a hub house where people came and, and did, you know, stuff in the backyard and with your kids and everything. And that you found yourself um, in a lot of community when, when learning about, you know, on your journey of activism and that eventually led to you becoming chief and, and also, Oh, you can hear my cats in the background fighting over territory. (laughs) They're colonizing a box back there. Um, <laughs> uh, and here you're talking about this g- major gathering uh, to bring awareness and, and look for solutions and stuff. I, I, I really appreciate you sharing in, in, about these gatherings because community is something that we get conditioned out of you know, and, and also, especially in the last few years, this has been a big challenge for a lot of people is maintaining community. And there's, there's so much healing, like you're just telling us over and over again, there's healing you're showing us, even if you're not saying exactly those words, there's healing and answers in coming together with community. Truly is. You have to care. Mm -hmm. You have to want this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's all good work, and sometimes, I mean, I, I never, I don't want to say I never question it, but sometimes I, I, I'm like, when will we wake up? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what I'd like to say about that is, is that I, I used to have this idea that we needed everybody to wake up, right? But more and more, what I'm understanding is that I would like just a critical mass of people to wake up. We just need critical mass. We don't need everybody, you know, not everybody is asleep. So that's my prayer right now is, is just that we just as many people as possible till we get to critical mass. And, and in my heart, I believe that that's what matters the, the most. You're right. You're right. Cause everybody's not going to wake up, but key groups of people mm-hmm. in different places, um, raising the awareness and, and finding ways to do something about it. I mean, it's the yeah. voice that needs to be heard right. out loud and not drowned out or told, oh, don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, you know, and people who do know uh, are consistent. That's the whole thing to be consistent. And sure, oh, word. Yeah. it is. You know, here's the proof. <laughs> here's the proof, and 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 there's a lot of proof out here. You know, and different levels and different situations that are going on. So, um, you know, these stories need to be heard, and uh, examples need to be uh, shown, 
so we can do something about the state of the earth and the world. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, you're speaking to my heart right now. And it's also a little bit of calling up, calling out because (laughs) unintentionally, but consistency has been an issue for me. So (laughs) part of doing this podcast is, is about consistency and just being consistent with it because I do have my own fears, just like I'm sure many people listening, there are things that I experience and there's some sort of specific wisdom that comes through me. And and I believe that the thing, those strong things that come through us are very challenging to the system around us and challenging to how we've been living. And I, I'll go out there and I'll say my thing and I'll, I'll do my work. And, and then, you know, I'll get that, I'll get some feedback of people who are vibing with me that I can, that I can work with and build with and learn from. But then there's also the feedback of like, stop, cut it off, get smaller. You're wrong. All this stuff. And I sometimes allow that to really get to me. And then I get in consistent. So thank you for saying that because, uh, uh, obviously it was time for me to hear that. And maybe for some of our listeners, it's, you know, they have a door open for hearing that as well. <laughs> Look, my, my, my husband and I had a radio show and, um, fortunately we were on XM satellite radio at the time before it connected with Sirius. But mm-hmm. uh, so we had like a national, um, audience and the local DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia audience. And we learned so much. Uh, and, and we worked hard to have shows that were going to um, not only enlighten us, but, you know, to bring a conversation uh, about the things that were happening, mm-hmm. um, people, communities, the world. And, and you know, we, um, one amazing interview that we did was with um Kreto Mutwa from South Africa and and he was a seer um I can't I, I for the life of me I can't bring exactly what his title was um I'm hearing it but I don't want to say it if it's the wrong thing mm-hmm. uh, so he had a lot of knowledge let's put it this way <laughs> yeah last knowledge and got downloads from the universe from the cosmos as well as coming up from the earth and the water and everything living and um uh to hear his words uh was totally changed my life in 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 a lot of ways just from you know listening to him and we brought him back another time uh, which we didn't think we'd be able to do because you know south africa and you know, making sure his sound was, it was a, a lot, but, but yeah. the mi- miracles do happen. And, um, and, and it's so many things and, and the whole thing about the African and the native, because so many people, you know, have these stories and we were blessed to be able to bring those stories out to the airwaves to, to listen, uh, to the frustrations and, um, uh, how people being told, just like I was told, you don't exist. Um, mm. and then to help people through that pain, because I have been through that pain yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and my mother told me, don't be in pain about that. Stand strong. There's a, 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 a Wampanoag word that means stand strong. It's Iotosh, you know, stand strong in your truth. 
and uh, so that's how I've tried to, um, and I, I shouldn't use the word try, but sometimes it was trying mm -hmm. <laughs> to look at <laughs> that word, uh, you know, because, you know, we, we have our weaknesses and sometimes it's like, throw your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> you care. It's not like you just don't care. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, I don't know where to, I don't know what to do with this now. Yes. Then you sleep on it, you pray on it, you do ceremony, and then you get back out there, you know? Yes. And you keep going. So Ayotash, Stand Strong, is is a, a message to to not just women, but to, to, to everyone who feels like they have a purpose. Yeah. A raison d'etre, a reason for being. Mm -hmm. This is who we need to morph into, mm -hmm. you know, to have a reason for being. And it gets back to the gifts. <laughs> yes. Speaking, speaking of gifts, I mean, just in this last, you know, hour and a half that we've talked, you shared such a wealth of, of wisdom and, and I know you're only really sharing just this modicum of, of your very dynamic journey. Uh, how has this influenced your, your art? I mean, I've gone to your Instagram and I've seen your website and your art really is like, to me, how I'm receiving it is like storyscaping. I mean, there's just, there's such a clear story. I might not know what the exact story is, but clearly you're, I am receiving your, your art as like stories. And I, and I watched one of the videos of your, um, the tour of your studio, which I highly recommend. I'll, I'll link that for people in the show notes, a tour of Penny Gamble's studio from maybe a few years ago. And, um, <laughs> you're, <t> maybe more than a few years ago. I don't know. I just know that there's a bird in the background named Spike. That's like, haka, 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 <laughs> the whole time. And it's so funny, <laughs> but, uh, one of the paintings you talk about is these trees and you had had this conversation about, um, uh, with with a friend who is who is creating something or, or or had a cause or something like that, and so I'm just wondering how 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 have have these like really rich experiences and experiences that you are in that is actually healing the world on behalf of yourself and us also the rest of us. How is that influencing your art? Well, like you said, there are storyscapes because um, just a little thing about my mother. My mother was an artist, a visual artist. And she always said, you have to be consistent in how you create. So people will know when they see that, they'll know it's your work. So, you know, it's almost like a signature. But I never could do that. Mm -hmm. Because I am influenced by so many, so many different things, nature, people, conversations, music. So when I, when I, um, sit down to paint, I, I allow the color to, to do it. I might have something in mind, but it might morph into something else. And I just go with it. I go with it because these are my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, whatever I'm listening to. I could be listening to James Brown. <laughs> and then I might be listening to Beethoven, I, you, you know, or, or, or Duke Ellington or, you know, any, any, a rapper, you know, I, 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 that's kind of, because it's the, the pace of life. It's the, it's the energy. And then sometimes I might just be listening to a, uh, a flute 
music or or just jazz or Miles Davis. I mean, or Mark Carey, my son, who's who's a um, um, an amazing pianist and composer. So I I've got all these things going on in my mind, and I've got this canvas or my iPad, and I am digitally creating or I am doing it with pen and ink markers and it's the feeling and 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 that's what I'm, I'm these are my messages you know because every every day is different every thought is different um and so that's kind of how I express myself uh in that way so I'm consistently inconsistent with how I create and even my poems <laughs> <laughs> I can, I can, I, I love writing poems. I've been writing poems since <laughs> I was a little kid. And, you know, I remember, you know, sometimes my mother would read one of my poems. I would be so excited, but I would really be looking for that key, you know, her, her eyes. She'd say, yeah, this is, this is quite, quite good, you know? And, <laughs> but I, I might be saying it snowed and the snowflakes came down and landed on the ground and I was very happy. That was just a poem that would come to me. So hmm. I, I, that's just kind of how I roll, you know? That's kind of yeah. how I roll. You go with what you have at the moment and, and it turns into something. <laughs> you go, oh, that's, per, that right there is profound. You go with what you have in the moment and it turns into something. If that is not the encapsulation of creation itself and God finding out who God's self is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I have, I have a couple more questions for you before we go. Um, if the Penny Gamble Williams of 20 years ago, walked into your dwelling right now and sat down, wanted to chat with you, what would you say to her? <laughs> well, 20 years ago, let's see. What was I doing 20 years ago? <laughs> so I was like right in the throes of all the tribal stuff. And um, I, I would tell Penny, you need to slow down for a minute and take a breath because I was doing so much because I had this, this vision, I envisioned, you know, um, all these different things that the tribe could do and, and where we could be and how we could get our land back. And I, I real, I had to realize that I would tell Penny, meet people where they are. Mm -hmm. You have these ideas, but maybe they don't see what you're seeing. Maybe one day they will. They have their own ideas. Mm -hmm. um, my experiences with all the things that I did as being a member of AIM and Women of All Red Nations and all those experiences are not the experiences of your people right now. Everybody didn't do that. And you have these lofty ideas of where we need to be, but you have to wait. Wow. Wait, and they'll get there. We'll all get there because everybody's an individual, but yet we are connected by this blood. 
but it'll happen in its own time. That's beautiful and very important wisdom for anyone who is in activism. So many fights I see with it, like infighting and taking each other down over not meeting each other where, where each other's at and being attached to getting somebody to where you think they're supposed to be instead of allowing the space and moving on with what you want to do yourself. That's a, and also have respecting that you might have an experience, like you were saying, part of AIM and, and uh, the other group, uh, that you had, you had an experience that other people may not have had. And why punish somebody over that? They're just not there yet. Right. They'll find their way back to this, like one blood that we all have. That's beautiful. Yeah. That is, I, (laughs) I just got there. (laughs) all in good timing all in good timing (laughs) of all the things that we are are dealing with now everybody doesn't see it in quite the same way right and back then i had this picture this painting you know where we'd be in our village we'd be on the land and we'd have our community center and our mini museum and and people would come and they'd learn about us and and we'd be speaking our language fluently and <sighs> we're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> bless it, bless it, bless it, bless it. Because there's been all these detours and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, life, just life, you know, things happening uh, with people and, and uh, you know, and it goes back to that thing that I, I saw on Instagram, you know, with the elder saying, this is what I've been trying to tell you, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, a gentle lie told you so. <laughs> I, yeah. So anyway, I'm not giving up. <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. Daughter of quiet fire. <laughs> right. And I also have to say, I, I also, my grandmother had a lot of influence on me because she was a storyteller. She, if she went 10 steps down from past her house, 10 different things would have happened to her. Yes. Because <laughs> she only lived up the street. And uh-huh. the street. By the time she got to our house, there was like, you're not going to believe what happened to her. <laughs> And my mother would just say, what happened, mom? <laughs> Six <laughs> hours later. <laughs> exactly. She's halfway through the story and everybody's paradigms have shifted and somebody got some healing <laughs> and everybody learned something new. Somebody decided to make a big step in their life just from like this, <laughs> this 10 minute walk story. <laughs> and in the middle of laughter, she said, well, I guess I've done all the damage I could do here. I guess I'll go home. <laughs> That would be the parting words, you know, because we're all all over the place. Because her experience is getting from her house to our house. Yeah. I love it. And it's almost daily. But this was her way yeah. to keep us engaged and laughing or thinking. Yes. Everybody didn't understand that. They, they were mm. like, what is she going to do now? 
<laughs> what did she do today? I love those people. Oh, those are the best people. And she used to say she didn't worry about anything. My hmm. mother was a warrior. I'm kind of half my grandmother and half my mother. I, I worry and then I say, wait a minute, do I really need to worry about that? Yeah. You know, my grandmother used to say, oh, don't worry about that. You know, go out and have a good time. Yeah. The thing was no fool, no fun. That was her little saying. You know, if you, can, if you can't be foolish and have, what's the point? So no, Ooh. I have a boring life. Oh, my gosh. I love her. <laughs> Bless her soul. Her whole thing was to laugh. Just laugh it off. Just just laugh it off because tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Her yeah. Day. I think we all need a little bit of that medicine right now. Her biggest joy was the t- uh, during the time where the horse just needs me. And she used to collect them. She walked everywhere. You know, she would refuse a ride because she didn't want to miss anything. She would collect horse chestnuts, put them in her pocket, or, or have a little bag. Yeah. Back from whatever she was doing, she'd come down to the house and put it on the table, and she'd say, "Pick yourself out some of those horse chestnuts." And she'd look at them because they were this mahogany. Beauty. Yeah. You know, they'd have kind of the oil from the shell that she mm-hmm. would. That was her thing. <laughs> it's the simple things. That's what she said. Truly. It's the simple things in life, you know? So, yeah. On um, Penny, yes. what is your blessing for this world? Inner peace, finding inner peace. Mm-hmm. So it's play out and touch the world so other people can experience some semblance of peace. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here today. I am, I'm just, I feel steeped in, in some things that I definitely have been seeking to hear and you've shared your wisdom so beautifully. And thank you for joining me on a day that you're honoring your dear mother, Quiet Fire. And I hope that you come back because we have so much more to talk about. Definitely. Just call me. I'll be there. Yes. Yes. Blessings. Blessings to you. And thank you listeners for joining us for this awesome talk. Peace. Thank you, Auntie Penny. It's an honor to be welcoming your grandmother energy into the Woke Wisdom Pockets family. And blessings to your dear mother. She created a beautiful spirit in you. And before we go today, beloveds, remember to check out Penny Gamble Williams on social media. All of her links are in the show notes. Her artwork is mesmerizing and I think you're going to love it. And if you liked today's episode, if you're resonating and you have reflections, please rate and review wherever you are listening to this podcast. It only takes a few clickety click, 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 clickety clicks. <laughs> you can be done before I get to the end of this sentence. <laughs> so now... Lay back and enjoy this vibe. Aquane by Penny Gamble Williams.
to the creator as we awakened from the indigo sky of dreams illuminated by the stars and step into the light of dawn rise up be lifted in prayer as the sun rises in the east receive the gifts that the east brings forth every day let us open our hearts and accept energy for the renewal of life, the warmth of spirit, trust, beauty, vision, truth, hope for all humanity. Rise up as the sun rises from the east. Be joyful, share these gifts with the people in our lives and those who we don't know. Rise up like the sun rises in the east. Let us lift our voices up to the creator. Resist those who speak of war and destruction. Talk about peace, only peace. Walk the labyrinth of peace. Resist war, speak up, speak out, fear not. Be courageous, stand strong in the indigo light of divine love. Rise up. The sun rises in the east. Aquani. 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 The original and healthy beats for this podcast were created by Quincy Davis. <laughs> His details are in the show notes. Woke Wisdom podcast episodes are written, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Alexandra Loves. My guests, of course, bring their own wisdom. 
If you have any questions you want me to answer on the podcast, you can email me at wokewisdompodcast at gmail.com or even better, text the podcast at 601-301-6974. I would be so grateful if you helped me share these messages far and wide by boosting the podcast with good reviews on Apple Podcasts or by sharing the episodes with friends and groups and families on social media. That would be so awesome. It just takes a few moments and a few clicks. Click, 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 click. Be blessed, and I'll see you next week. Oh, one more thing. They told me I needed a disclaimer, so cue the music. Let's do this. The information in all podcast episodes and corresponding materials the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves are provided for general, informational, and explorative purposes only. It is not professional advice. Any content provided by Alexandra Loves, guests, bloggers, sponsors, or authors are of their own opinion and not intended to defame, slander, or malign any person, place, or thing. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or attached material. Alexandra Loves and her guests are not therapists, counselors, physicians, unless otherwise stated. By listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast or corresponding materials to treat any mental, physical, or medical condition in either yourself or others. Please seek out appropriate professionals for help. Privacy matters to the Woke Wisdom Podcast. People, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast may be changed to protect confidentiality. Through this podcast and corresponding materials, you're able to link to other websites which are not under the control of this podcast or Alexandra Loves. The inclusion of any links does not necessarily imply a recommendation or endorse the views expressed within them. In no event is the Woke Wisdom Podcast or Alexandra Loves liable for any loss or damage, including without limitation, indirect or consequential loss or damage, or any loss and damage whatsoever arising from your interaction with this podcast or corresponding materials. This podcast and all corresponding materials should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. This podcast and all corresponding material is owned and copyrighted by Alexandra Loves. You are welcome to download and play the podcast and share with others for personal use. Please acknowledge the Woke Wisdom Podcast with Alexandra Loves as the source of the material. You may not, except without our express written permission, distribute or commercially exploit the content. Email wokewisdompodcast at alexandraloves.com to attain written permission.